everybody how are you guys doing swell. swell let's go that's awesome man I know you guys when you pulled up today you're like wow the building it is blue it's awesome so we uh, praise the Lord we had an incredible work day yesterday I mean the, the time I mean the weather was beautiful oh my goodness 60s overcast wow I mean can you imagine painting in the 90s something degree weather? I mean God really did bless us um, and so many people stayed. It wasn't just 8 to noon. I mean, people stayed till 2, till 3, 4. I mean, all day. Uh, and so incredible. Uh, thank you guys so much. I want to give a few specific shout-outs. Uh, first of all, I want to shout-out Brad Kilgis. Uh, thank you so much, man. He came in and helped paint like half the building with his sprayer. And we're like, yeah! Uh, it was wonderful. And, uh, and then so many of you guys, like I said, stayed later. I mean, the sellers, Russ, Amy, Jeremy stayed till late, Kaylee, Tyler, Patrick, and Mike Humphrey. Um, just you guys are amazing. So thank you guys so much. It was wonderful. And we're getting closer. We're getting closer. Uh, and so we're not done. Uh, just so you know, we're not going to have the orange squares um, with the blue. Uh, we are going to be painting those as well, the scouts are actually doing that as a project. Aiden Rainey is doing an Eagle Scout project. And for that project, they're going to come and paint all those squares, and they're going to refinish the deck, and it's going to look beautiful. So it's a huge thing as a, as a gift to our church. Um, so that's awesome. So we're excited about that. That's going to happen here in just a couple of weeks. So we'll have a couple of Sundays with the orange squares, and then they will be painted. Um, it's going to be wonderful. So uh, love you guys, and thank you so much for that. So I'm sure you guys have heard of this term, or maybe you experienced it, especially you parents, um, of social influencers, uh, YouTube personalities, right? And for those of you guys that are parents of preteens, you have endured probably many hours of hearing these particular characters on YouTube. And what's amazing about these wonderful millionaires in their 20s is that they are on YouTube recording themselves watching another YouTube video. And yet millions of people watch them watching a video and reacting with like really incredible comments and feedback like, whoa, man, okay, what, what's going to happen, what's going to happen? Wow, oh, that was crazy. And that, that's what they do. And they make millions of dollars. It's incredible. And Katie and I have endured a lot of this in our home. Um, but what's unique about that is that's kind of the culture that we live in. It's a microcosm of the world that we are a part of, and that is a world that celebrates self. And all the attention is on me. I'm gonna record myself. I want you to talk about me. 
I want you to celebrate me. I want you to watch me. I want you to pay me. And it's about me. And our, our culture is centric. In fact, we, they teach that we have to look out for number one, right? That, that's saying like last week was nice guys finish last. This week, we have to look out for number one, right? So everything is focused on self. I mean, TikTok literally is watch me. Like th that is what it is. It's like, hey, watch me and look at me and like me and celebrate me. Yay, me. Um, and so that's, what, that's the world that we live in. But yet Jesus, the one person in all of human history who deserved and was worthy of being seen and celebrated and acknowledged and talked about, he chose to humble himself. He chose to serve. He chose to lift others up and to make himself a man of no reputation. Isn't that incredible? Completely countercultural to the world in which we live. So the title of my message this morning is Reputation Removal. Reputation removal. Let's pray over the word. Lord Jesus, thank you, God, for your word that guides us. Thank you, Holy Spirit, that you lead us into all truth. Father, and I just pray that our hearts will be open to receive from your spirit today. Lord, transform us, make us more into the image of your son and his likeness. We love you, Father, and I pray that anything that I say that it's from me, I pray that it'll fall to the ground and come to nothing. Lord, but your word, I pray, will remain and bear fruit in our lives. In Jesus' name we pray, and everybody said, amen. So we are continuing in our series, The Law of Love, this morning. Last week, we talked about the courage of kindness and how in our culture, kindness is undervalued. In fact, it's looked at as weakness. But yet we realized that true kindness, to, to live the way Jesus lived, actually takes strength and it takes courage. Because when we show kindness like God does to those who are ungrateful and we show kindness to the unjust, it's not going to be or it may not be reciprocated. And yet that's what love does. Love does not require repayment. It freely gives it doesn't react, it responds, and it's active in doing good. So we talked about that last week, and we have dove into different dimensions and attributes of the love of God throughout this series. It started with experiencing the Father's affirmation, right? God sees us, he knows us, and he places value upon us. And then we talked about forgiveness and how God washes us clean, and as soon as we turn our attention to him. He meets us where we're at and restores us to the position of honor as his sons and daughters because of his incredible grace. And then we talked about the kindness of the Lord leading us to repentance. And so this morning, I want to talk about the attribute of humility. Humility. Jesus, the one person who did not have to be humble. He didn't have to be. I mean, he deserved everyone's attention. He could command it. He, he could de demand it from everyone. And yet, he chose to humble himself. Why, why would Jesus choose to humble himself if he, if he deserved all the glory? Well, 
I think he was showing us what love looks like, right? And I think it's, it's common that you could make love and humility even interchangeable. Like they're very, very similar. In fact, some people define love as putting others before yourself, right? Which is also humility. So there's a lot of commonality there. Uh, but I want to dive into this and I want to look at Jesus Right? We understand if we want to know what love is, we got to look at who God is. If we want to know who God is, we got to look at Jesus because he's the visible image of the invisible God. So let's look at what he says about humility in one of his parables, Luke 18, verse 9. It says, To some who were confident of their own righteousness and looked down on everyone else, Jesus told this parable. Two men went up to the temple to pray, one a Pharisee, and the other, a tax collector. The Pharisee stood by himself and prayed, God, I thank you that I am not like other people, robbers, evildoers, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. I fast twice a week and give a tenth of all I get. But, verse 13, the tax collector stood at a distance. He would not even look up to heaven, but he beat his breast and said, God, have mercy on me, a sinner. I tell you that this man, rather than the other, went home justified before God. For all those who exalt themselves will be humbled, and those who humble themselves will be exalted. It's amazing. Jesus paints this picture of two different people on opposite ends of the social spectrum. Right? You have the Pharisee, the religious leaders. They are highly respected and honored and, and celebrated among their peers, right? among the Jewish people. And then you have the tax collector who is despised among his peers, looked at as a traitor. And so you have these two extremes of the social spectrum. And Jesus says that the Pharisee, the religious leader, who decides, hey, I'm going to take this time before, I mean, just imagine this. First of all, the God of the universe, this big, perfect God, and I'm going to lift myself up a little bit. Look, God, look at what I've done. Thank, thank, thank you, God, that I'm not like all these people, right? And he says it to God, which I'm sure that God is up there like, what are you doing? <laughs> Shaking his head. But Jesus says, Humility, when we say, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to lower myself intentionally. God says, I will pull you up. I will lift you up. I will justify you. You don't have to justify yourself because I'm going to do it. But I want you to lean on me. The only way we experience the fullness of God's grace and in in his love in our life is if we can learn to be dependent on him, lean on him. And so he says, this is the way. <laughs> time and time again, Jesus rebuked the Pharisees for seeking their own benefit above the people that they were called to serve. And he would openly rebuke them. He did not do this for anyone else, but he would openly, publicly rebuke the religious leaders of his day. Because he was letting the people know, this is not the way. 
don't do what they are doing. And so he was brutal. You know, brood of vipers, whitewashed tombs, hypocrites. I mean, verbally, publicly calling these guys out. Blind leaders of the blind, he said. But he wanted to protect the people from not being polluted by pride. Look at what he says in Matthew 23. Then Jesus said to the crowds and to his disciples, the teachers of the law and the Pharisees sit in Moses' seat. You must be careful to do everything they tell you because they're teaching the law of God. But do not do what they do, for they do not practice what they preach. They tie up heavy, cumbersome loads and put them on other people's shoulders, but they themselves are not willing to lift a finger to move them. Everything they do is done for people to see. Everything they do is done for people to see. They make their phylacteries wide and their tassels on their garments long. They love, this is, listen to what they love, the place of honor at banquets and the most important seats in the synagogue. They love to be greeted with respect in the marketplaces and to be called rabbi by others. But you are not to be called rabbi for you have one teacher and you are all brothers. And do not call anyone on earth father for you have one father and he is in heaven. Nor are you to be called instructors for you have one instructor the Messiah, the greatest among you will be your servant. For those who exalt themselves will be humbled and those who humble themselves will be exalted. Look at what Jesus said about the Pharisees. He said, everything they do, they do to be seen by people. They want to be seen. And look at what he says about what they love. They love the, the seats of honor at the banquet. They love the best seats in the synagogue. They love respectful greetings in the marketplace. They love being called rabbi. Do you notice an omission about the things that they love? People, where are they? What Jesus was saying was they didn't love the people, they loved themselves. But Jesus, he shows us what true love is. Look at this story. It's so powerful. John 13, verse 3. Jesus knew that the Father had put all things under his power and that he had come from God and was returning to God. So he got up from the meal, took off his outer clothing, and wrapped a towel around his waist. After that, he poured water into a basin began to wash his disciples' feet, drying them with the towel that was wrapped around him. In verse 12, when he had finished washing their feet, he put on his clothes and returned to his place. Do you understand what I have done for you? He asked. You call me teacher and Lord, and rightly so, for that is what I am. Now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also should wash one another's feet. I have set you in an example that you should do as I have done for you. It says, don't do what they do. Do what I do. Very, very truly, I tell you, no servant is greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. Now that you know these things, you will be blessed if you 
knew them. That's, that's a great line there. Now that you know them, you'll be blessed if you do them. Do them. Don't just know them. Look at what he says, though, at the beginning of this. This is so amazing. In verse 3, it says, Jesus knew that the Father had put all things under his power. Okay? All things under his power. And that he had come from God and was returning to God. So, he washed their feet. He says, now that I have all power, let me show you what to do with it. Serve each other. Be a servant. Now that all power has been given to me, I'm going to show you what you do with this incredible power. Are you ready? This is what you do with this awesome power. Serve one another. Man, that is, can you imagine what the world would be like that we live in if everyone adopted that principle? The good old Spider-Man. Great power comes great responsibility. <laughs> you guys know him. Right? Incredible. Jesus says, this is what you do with power. He takes the lowest task that is typically assigned to the lowest of servants. And he washes his disciples' feet. Saying, this is what I am choosing to do. I have all this power, but my choice is to place myself here where I'm serving you. And then he says, do this. Do what I'm doing. Jesus refused the place of honor, right? He didn't take the place of honor. He took the lowest place that he could. But what's amazing about this is he wasn't looking for all that. He wasn't looking for the honor. He wasn't seeking it out, yet he got it. He received the highest place of honor in the greatest respect. Why? Because he humbled himself and then God exalted him and lifted him up. Look at this Philippians chapter 2, verse 8. And being found in appearance as a man, Jesus humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. Therefore, anytime you see therefore, you need to find out what it's there for, right? <laughs> therefore, God exalted him to the highest place. So he wasn't looking for it, but where did he end up? The highest place. And God gave him the name that is above every name, the highest respect, that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Jesus humbled himself, became obedient, even to the point of death, taking the absolute lowest position of giving his own life. And then what does God do? He takes him and he exalts him to the highest position. Jesus said it. It's an upside down kingdom. The first shall be last and the last shall be first. If you want to be great, be a servant of all. And this is what love looks like. Love humbles itself. And puts others first. So what do we learn about love here? Number one, we learn that love doesn't celebrate itself. Love doesn't celebrate itself. Matthew 20, oh, sorry, no, wrong, Matthew 6. 
Verse one, I looked ahead. Be careful not to practice your righteousness in front of others to be seen by them. There it is again. Don't practice it in front of others to be seen by them. If you do, you will have no reward from your father in heaven. He says it is canceled when you do that. So when you give to the needy, do not announce it with trumpets as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and on the streets to be honored by others. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward in full. But when you give to the needy, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing so that your giving may be in secret. Then your father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. And then in verse five, he says it, says it again. And when you pray, do not be like the hypocrites for they love to pray standing in the synagogue and on the street corners to be seen by others. Love's goal is to see rather than be seen. That's what love desires. That's what it pursues, to see, to see others, to see the image of God in them, to celebrate the gifts of God in them, to honor what's in them. Image bearers of God, sons and daughters of the Most High, and to lift them up to celebrate them, not to be seen. Because if the attention is on us, then it's not on them. So far be it from us that it be on us, because now I want others to be celebrated. That's what love does. It, it, it avoids the spotlight and takes it and shines it on someone else. So it doesn't celebrate itself. Number two, love serves and celebrates others. Matthew 20, verse 25, Jesus called them together and said, you know that the rulers of the Gentiles lorded over them and their high officials exercise authority over them. Not so with you. Instead, whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant. He doesn't say don't desire greatness. He redefines greatness. Because we're made to be great because we're made in the image of God. But greatness is serving. It says, you must be, your, you, uh, sorry, uh, to become great must be your servant. Verse 27, and whoever wants to be first must be your slave, just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. So we look for opportunities to celebrate others. We want to bring attention to them. So you, when you walk into each day, God, who can I celebrate today? Who can I encourage? Who can I lift up? And we're looking. We're looking for different things. And, and we've, we've said this before, when you notice something about someone that you think is really amazing or that you admire, tell them. Don't keep it to yourself. Tell them, don't just tell them, tell other people. Man, have you noticed, you know, how, how they, how they are, how they're, how so, so giving that they are or, or how loving or compassionate this person is or how much sympathy they have or, or whatever it is. Spread the word about the good that we see in each other. Celebrate others. Look for opportunities to give them acknowledgement. It's kind of the, the Peyton Manning effect. Do you guys remember Peyton Manning, what he would do after every game? I don't know if you guys are football fans or not. But after every game, at the post-game conference, he was the best. He was funny. He was witty. He was, he was awesome. And I know you Chiefs fans can't stand Peyton Manning because he used to play with the Broncos. But he was a great guy. Trust me, he loves Jesus. Um, Actually, I actually saw Peyton Manning. We went, we visited the church. I have to tell you this. Side note, we were at a church uh, in Denver, and we were late, <laughs> and visiting a church on, like, on vacation or something, and we came in late. We were checking in our kids, and I heard a voice, 
I mean, I'm like, that, that voice sounds familiar. And I turn around, and Babe Manning's right there checking in his kids. And I'm like, hey, look, look, Babe Manning, he's right there. He's checking in his kids like we check in our kids. <laughs> He's like, yes, he has children. That's what you do. Um, I was so excited, and I remember waiting once we went to the auditorium. I was a little distracted. I was, like, waiting to watch him walk in and see where he went. And then I saw him walk in. He, like, went up to the top, went to the back, and sat down. I'm like, oh, he's sitting over there in that seat, you know. Anyways, um, random. But, but Peyton Manning was great. He was always, anytime people tried to throw uh, acknowledgments and accolades at him, like, wow, you're so amazing. You played a great game today. He always deferred. He's like, no, no, no. He's like, my man, I wouldn't have had any time if it wasn't for my line blocking for me today. They were incredible. And man, the receivers were out there getting it done. Man, the re- he always, he always pushed the acknowledgement and the celebration to someone else. He wouldn't take, and I just, I always admired that about him. The humility in which he led, because he was incredible. But he genuinely celebrated the gifts of others. And that's something that God asks us to do. But in order to do that, we've, we got to get low in order to lift others up. Meaning we have to have room in our minds to think of others. Meaning we have to not think of ourselves, which is hard to do. Like, let's just be honest. It's hard. We think about ourselves first. We feel our feelings first, right? But I'm sure you've heard the definition of humility is not thinking less of yourself, but thinking about yourself less, right? So we have to make room so that we can celebrate others. Number three, love doesn't pursue personal significance. This is a hard one. Love does not pursue personal significance. Philippians 2.7, it says that Jesus made himself of no reputation. He made himself. Not of good reputation, not a bad reputation, just no reputation. No reputation. John 6, you see this. Jesus had multiplied the bread and the fish. And after the people saw the sign Jesus performed, they began to say, surely this is the prophet who is to come into the world. Jesus, knowing that they intended to come and make him king by force, withdrew again to a mountain by himself. How often does someone have to be made king by force? I mean, think about that. Like, who's like, oh, no, I mean... No, not, not king. You'd have to force me to be king. You know, like no one's going to do that. But Jesus avoided it. They, they're like, whether you like it or not, you're going to be our king. Like that's so weird. But Jesus, he avoided that because he knew what he was here to do. He was intentional to remove reputation. He was born in an obscure place to a kind of a, an obscure family. He, he was a carpenter, kind of an obscure work. And he refused promotion and purposely avoided it. His brothers told him, hey, you're the son of God. Go make yourself known. Go to Jerusalem. Let everybody know you're the son of God. And Jesus is like, no, it's not my time yet. When he healed the leper, he says, don't tell anybody that I healed you. He healed the blind man. Don't tell anyone. When he is transfigured on the mountain in front of Peter, James, and John, don't tell anyone what you saw. So why would he avoid that? You'd think it would work in his favor. Because the plan from the beginning was always that Jesus would be the suffering servant rather than the conquering hero. That's what he came to do. And he knew that. And he didn't give in to the temptation to be celebrated. 
to be acknowledged by people. That wasn't a temptation to him. It didn't allure him. didn't draw him in. He knew who he was. He knew the value that he had already. So he didn't have to grasp for it somewhere else. He didn't pursue personal significance because he knew that he was significant already. And that's the plan for us, to be servants. Luke 17, verse 10 says this, So you also, when you have done everything you were told to do by God, should say, we are unworthy servants. We have only done our duty. Man, it's hard to do sometimes because when you're giving and you're serving and you're, and you're investing, you, you want to be acknowledged a little bit. Like, hey, I put a lot into this. Nobody says, I don't need that because I'm loved perfectly. I don't need to be acknowledged. I've been acknowledged by God. And so I can just serve. I can just freely give and be obedient to him. And then number four, love separates significance from service. Jesus said, if you want to follow me, deny yourself, take up your cross, and follow me. We serve Jesus because we already... He's already done everything. He, he's completed all the work. There's not anything else he needs to do for us. Our service isn't polluted by seeking significance. It's freely given because it, was, it has freely received. Right? So we're not serving God in order to be significant. We're not saying, okay, I'm going to say yes to you, Jesus, so that I can be significant and I can grab hold of that. No, we don't need that. Why? Because God already said you're priceless in my eyes. You're my son. You're my daughter. You're blameless before me in love. You're blessed with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. You've been forgiven. I've given you all wisdom and prudence and the knowledge of me. You're filled with my spirit and sealed for the day of redemption. So he's already given us everything like the prodigal son. He's already celebrated us and given us it all. So we don't need to grasp and reach for significance in our service to God. We can just freely give it because he's already freely given us all things. Amen? So I want to close with this. How do we respond to this love? How do we freely receive? We can let go of the world's desperate striving and searching for significance. Why? Because we found it. Everyone, everyone, we're striving, we're searching, we want to find significance. But we, we, don't have, we don't have to do that anymore. We don't have to strive because we found it. We all, you already matter and are significant. The Bible says that God has carved our names into the palms of his hands that he's taken every tear that we've cried and kept it in his bottle. And every moment of our life is written in his book. I would say that's significant. He sees us, he values us, and he says, you know what? You know how valuable you are to me? The blood of the sinless son of God. That's the price tag on our lives. It can't get higher. There is no higher significance. It can't grow. The search ends at Jesus. He's the X that marks the spot for that treasure that we've all been looking for, everyone in the world. 
a treasure of significance. It was found in Jesus. Nothing can make you more significant than you are right now. That's the truth. Nothing, nothing we do can make us more significant than we are now because of Christ. He's already brought us to that level of a son and daughter of God. There's nothing else. We're seated with Christ in the heavenly places. There's nothing else we can do. We can't increase that. It's maxed out. Right? So receiving that truth. And then how do we freely give? How do we remain? We seek to see rather than be seen. We seek to see rather than be seen. I've just asked yourself the question, what's keeping me from celebrating others? Or maybe what's, what might be keeping you from being free from the desire to be seen? Maybe it's a professional ambition or maybe it's social media. Because social media, again, so much of it is centered on being seen. There's good, there's good for sure. But so much of it is about being seen. Is there something in our lives that's an obstacle to this? To seeing others. So let's just take a moment, let's just bow our heads and close our eyes. Just ask the Holy Spirit, God, what are you saying to me? Holy Spirit, what are you speaking to me?
One thing I love about worship too is worship magnifies God, right? We talk about magnifying him. And if you magnify him and you make him really, really big, then you get really small, right? It's a great way to walk in humility. It's just to worship all the time. So anyways, love you guys. Bless you guys. Thanks again for every one of you guys that served yesterday. And we will see you guys next Sunday.